Hi, everybody. This is Mitch Ivan. This is episode 10 of my Tuesday afternoon podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. And without further ado, let's get right to it. So there's a lot going on in politics right now. Obviously, we have the January 6th committee meeting again tomorrow, and I think we're going to have some very interesting news coming from that. We have, obviously, the continuing investigation into Trump and the classified documents and Trump getting hammered in the courts last week, and there's going to be a lot more interesting news coming from that. And, of course, we have the midterms coming up, so there's going to be a lot of news coming from that. But I have been ruminating lately about Republicans and the abortion bans. I, I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot. I'm sure we all think about it a lot, especially since, um, you know, since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade and opened the door to all these, you know, all these um, potential abortion bans in, in all of these states. And in the last couple of weeks, a lot of the court battles have completed and, 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 and a lot of the states or some of the states that have been stopped from the full-on abortion bans are now implementing them. And, you know, we've already heard the horror stories, you know, coming out of a lot of these states of doctors having a very difficult time making decisions about what to do when women face life-threatening situations. We've, you know, wife's life-threatening situations where the pregnancy needs to be aborted to save the wife of the mother, the life of the mother, I'm sorry. Um, even in times when the baby is dead, we've heard these stories about people having to carry dead fetuses to term. And of course, we're starting to see, because it's never enough with Republican extremists, Christo, what do they call it, Christo... Christo-fascist, I think, is the word that's being coined. And it's a, it's a harsh word, but it's, it seems appropriate. But it's never enough. You're getting your next level of extremists who are now some governors, some state politicians, um, Republican state politicians, some pretend conservatives who are now um, arguing that there should be no... Um, there should be no exceptions for an abortion, even the life of the mother, even when the life of the mother is at risk. They already did away with rape and incest exceptions. No, 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 we can't have those, but no exceptions when the life of the mother is at risk. Um, obviously not as extreme, but still appalling, you know, at the federal level, Lindsey Graham, who just a few weeks earlier argued that, uh, a couple months earlier, argued that uh, abortion should be, um, you know, when, when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, uh, Lindsey vehemently argued with everybody else that, no, 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 we're not looking at a national abortion ban, but we're looking at, you know, the state should be able to make the decisions. It's a state state thing. But of course, we recently had Lindsay propose legislation. Can't go anywhere now because you have a Democratic-controlled Congress and Democratic president, but still proposed legislation of a national 
abortion ban, although Lindsay's allowing exceptions for rape and incest. That's very nice of him, the life of the mother. Um, but I'm sure that would, Lindsay would flip-flop. He's, he has no decency, scruples, common sense, or morals. Um, so, um, you know, just depending on which way the political winds blow, in the next few years, I'm sure Lindsay would be happy to adjust his legislation to be more extreme if it benefited him. But, you know, so I've, I've been thinking about all of that. Um, but for the sake of the podcast today, because there's a lot to unpack there and there's a lot more people that are a lot more um, knowledgeable and a lot more competent to discuss this than I am. You know, there's a lot of discussion nationally going on. But I, you know what I'm really been wondering about lately I've been wondering about the religious justification the religious hypocrisy first of all I'm wondering what it is that um, biblically right that determines when a fetus is a fetus, you know, or when a group of cells is a living being, what is it that determines, that Christians use to determine when life begins? You know, and the argument is that their argument they're making is life begins at conception. As soon as conception happens, then there's a baby with a soul, and doing anything to stop that baby would be murder. Doing anything to get rid of that baby from the moment of conception is murder. That's really the mentality. That's really the mindset, right? So, but what is it that, like, where does that come from? It's been a long time since I read the New Testament. I mean, I did read it, believe it or not. I'm not going to bullshit you here. When I was in college, I, I, I fell in love with this girl who was the, um, the president of the Chinese Christian Fellowship at New York University. Um, I was just gaga over this chick, and I would have done anything to, to um, you know, really make this work out. It, 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 it didn't. I mean, we tried it, but it didn't. Um, and I even kind of had a Christian phase, right? I, 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 um, it lasted about two years. I decided I was Christian. And in that process, I decided to read the Old Testament or the New Testament. And it's been a long time because now I, you know, obviously I've evolved since then. And I see the, the you know, the other hypocrisy and nonsense of certainly American evangelical Christianity. It's, it's laughable. Um, but uh, and, and I have nothing against if you want to be an evangelical Christian. There's a Yiddish term. It means gesinter. Hey, go have a good time. Who the hell cares? But it's your it's your religion. Don't don't bother us with it. Um, legislatively, policy wise, like you know, just do your own thing and leave everybody else alone. That would be fine. But irrespective. Um, I read the, old, the, the, the New Testament, and I don't recall any specific reference to when life begins. So 
this whole idea that, and, and again, I'm sure there is historical precedent. I'm sure, you know, if I, if I would have prepared for this podcast today, um, I probably would have found this, but I'm sure there is some historical precedent for when uh, modern Christianity decided, and when I say modern, I mean within the last couple hundred years, um, decided that life begins at conception. But it, it seems to me like somebody just said it, you know. So that's that's that. That's at some point, someone just decided. Someone had a thought, you know, that life begins at conception, and that just evolved into this, you know, repressive nonsense. And I I, I know in modern politics and. And modern Christianity, it, it, it has nothing to do with religion. I, I get that. It's, it's a power game. Um, it's, it's an ego thing. Um, you know, I, I get that. It's, there's a certain amount of control that, that um, you know, that this movement wants over women and women's bodies. And, and, and you know, it, it, it appeases a, something within each of them that is insecure that they worry about and i'm sure you can kind of dive into that deeper but um you know but i just and and if you think about like god right it, it this the christian god the father the son and the holy ghost would the so god would want if i understand this correctly a woman with a dead baby inside her to carry that dead baby to term. And then in the more extreme cases with these, again, pretend Christians, not only would God want that, but God would want the woman to potentially die because that dead baby couldn't be removed until God naturally determined it's time for the dead baby to come out. Or God would want a 10-year-old girl in Ohio who's raped by a relative and impregnated. God would want those cells that are multiplying inside of her body to be kept in there so that this girl could this child could eventually have her rapist family member rapist child like i mean i know when we watch the news um and we watch the analysis of this that the actual theological discussion doesn't really happen we don't they're not really these these christians are not really challenged on the theology um, but I, I'd like to see that, you know, I, I would like to, and I would even welcome if anybody listens to my podcast who is Christian, whether you're a pastor or a person who isn't in, in, in clergy, you know, but if you, but if you'd like to come on and make the, I, I, you know, I would do a, an interview. I haven't started doing interviews yet and I'm pretty good at interviews, I've done them for quite some time as a journalist, so I'd be I, I, that's something I hope to bring into the podcast at some point. But if you'd like to come on and have that theological discussion, I would love to understand how 
this perception of God that evangelicals have, how this particular how this particular God would be okay with those instances, you know, with a woman being forced to carry a dead baby to term or a child who was raped by her father or by an uncle, you know, forced to have that child. I I would like to hear the theological perspective. Um... So we'll leave it at that for now. How about the fake commercial next? (laughs) Well, it's October now. And what are you getting ready for? I certainly hope it's Halloween. I hope you're prepared for the ghouls and goblins and vampires that will scare the bejeebies out of you and all of your friends and family. Where should you be going to get prepared for all those things? You should be going to Spirit Halloween. Sure, you've seen our pop-up shops all over the place. We take over abandoned buildings and make them more terrifying and scary than they were before we got there. (laughs) And where else can you go to buy a toddler's costume for $47.99 or to buy a young child's costume? costume for $49.99 or to buy an adult costume starting at $69.99. Come, bring your money, spend it all at Spirit Halloween. (laughs) Now the second part of each particular podcast episode, I have lately been focusing on some sort of self-improvement that I'm working on, some self-help type thing that I'm doing. I'm not going to do that now. I mean, I'm sort of kind of going to do it now, but not really going to do it. I'm going to talk a little bit more about politics, but in the macro. And I want to explain why I like politics, why I enjoy politics, why I think politics is so remarkably important. Politics in its most basic, pure sincere, I don't want to use the word form, but that's not the right word. I can't think of the right word. Application, that's what I'm looking for. Politics in its most sincere application is not about power. It's not about self-interest. We're just so jaded that we've come to believe that that's what politics is. That politics is just about exerting communal and personal power and influence and ideology. But it's really not. At its purest form, politics is about helping people. That's really what it should be. The purpose of modern politics. Yeah, the purpose of monarchical politics, the politics that was supposed to be of yesteryear, is all about power and self-interest and hypocrisy and ineptitude. You know, that's what, in so many instances, that's what a king and a queen was, right? In Western societies, right? You would get either, you'd hope 
that you get a lifetime with a good ruler and you would dread getting a bad ruler, right? And you would hope that if you have a good ruler, that ruler doesn't get violently removed from his or her position and somebody bad comes in because your life could get exponentially worse, right? Monarchical politics was all about power. Didn't matter what type of leader you had. Well, I guess it did matter what type of leader you had. Either you had a good leader or a bad leader. And history is replete with the stories of bad leaders. But modern politics, democratic politics, in my mind, as naive as I may be, is still supposed to be about leading and creating policy that solves problems, that benefits constituents. And I, and I truly believe that. And, 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 and again, as naive as I may be, I still think that that is possible, even as toxic as our politics have become. And I think that is where we see, at least here in the U.S., such a profound difference between the parties at this point because the Republican Party has been completely bastardized by self-interested, power-hungry, egomaniacal sociopaths. They are, you know, and, and, and... that's who runs the party or crazy people genuinely when i say sociopaths about the 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 other group the ruling class of the gop which is losing its power the mitch mcconnell lindsey graham you know john cornyn crew which who are becoming less and less powerful the that's all about power and hypocrisy for power's sake and hypocrisy's sake with a little bit of ideology sprinkled in for good measure then the other part of the GOP is just about crazy people. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, soon to be former Congressman Madison Crawthorn. These are just unemployable people. These are and, 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 and people that are that are out of whack, you know, that are that are unstable, that genuinely wouldn't be in employed in positions of leadership other than the fact they happen to be able to get elected by a lot of people who are angry and who are vengeful and who are scared and who are insecure, just a, a constituency of instability. And, and we all, and, 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 and I don't mean that necessarily in a derogatory sense. It's a scary time in history. And I think we're all a little unstable. I think we're all a little emotionally off right now. I think there's just different degrees of of that and, and different degrees of, of how we represent that in our lives and, and, and in our communities. But the Republican Party has devolved at this point into, from my perspective, into the two extremes. It's just batshit crazy or it's just desperate and power hungry. And at the core, from my perspective, of both of those extremes is fear and insecurity. The power-hungry, the Mitch McConnells, the Lindsey Grahams, they're just desperate to hang on to power. Their egos, their self-worth, their, their very existence is tied to the title senator, congressman. 
And without it, they're nothing. They have nothing. And operating in a world where they don't have that title is probably a terrifying scenario for them. So they're going to do anything they can to maintain it. And now some of them, not necessarily Mitch McConnell, but potentially Lindsey Graham and others potentially have some criminal exposure, some liability, because they got themselves wrapped around the the madness of the Trumpian presidency. And, and they are they kind of have to stay in power because they are if if they lose control or if they are in these positions of power, they could be held liable for whatever it is that they may may have potentially done. And for the crazy wing of the party, it's also really about driven by fear. And, you know, when you're extremely mentally unstable, you're generally fearful. And then when you're put in a position where you're guaranteed to fail, that of a congresswoman, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Bobart, where you, where you're, where you're um, intellectually completely unprepared for the position and you're prone to believe all kinds of ideological nonsense that comes your way, you know, there's, there's, there's an, I, I always believe there's an underlying fear that they have of being exposed, you know, for who they are. There's a, probably a tremendous insecurity that they carry around with them all the time. So, so within the Republican Party right now, there's no interest in what I see as the purpose of politics, except self-interest. It's just all self-interest. And when we, when, when we as a nation foolishly elected Donald Trump, he validated politics for self-interest. He was the extreme poster boy for self-interest at everyone, everyone, everyone else's expense. So that party just sees with this toxic sense of self-interest. And Democrats are by far imperfect. And we certainly have, over the years, have had our collection of criminals within the political Democratic class. The difference is when one of them crimes and gets caught, the rest of us aren't so self-interested at this time that we don't want them held accountable. We do. We want them removed from office. If they committed a crime, we want them held accountable for that crime. You know, and for the most part, the party now as a whole is interested in doing what politics is supposed to do, interested in solving problems, interested in helping people. I mean, Biden didn't score a home run on the way he handled the pandemic. But then again, he didn't strike out either because most of his policies, most of his efforts during the pandemic were aimed at helping people get through it. And there was a lot of experimentation that had to happen through that process, and there were wins and there were losses. With Trump's handling of the pandemic, it was all about what was good for Trump, what would benefit him politically for the 2020 election. There was never a concern about the well-being of the people. When Democrats passed the legislation that they passed, it's again, it's imperfect. The Infrastructure Structure Act was, was, was good legislation. It wasn't great legislation, but the purpose of it was to build shit, to fix things that are broken. 
It was about solving problems, you know, and even if you look at what the Republicans right now are hyper-focused on to try to save their chances of at least maintaining the House after the midterm, it's all about immigration, right? And it's all about the, uh, the, the immigration surge at the southern border. But none of it is hyper-focused on actually solving the problem, on actually improving the quality of life for immigrants and creating a situation where people can come here legally. It's just about exacerbating the problem. And it's about exacerbating the problem so these self-interested Republicans can get elected into the midterms and can either those who have no power because who aren't serving in, in as members of Congress can get the power or those who have been can maintain the power. You know, Democrats are interested in, and have been for years in immigration reform to actually figure out a way to solve the problem by helping the people who genuinely want to come here for a better life, but also help the people who live here to have a good life. So, you know, we're at this political crossroads now in, in the United States of America where you have one party that has gone off the deep end of self-interest and one party that has actually gone completely in the other direction, that is actually trying to represent itself as the party of the people because it's trying to enact policy to help people. And I think, I hope, in the midterms, that's going to make a difference. E, and I, I, I am not 100% sure, but I am fairly confident that even Republicans who are sure they're going to win the House because of all the gerrymandering and cheating are going to be surprised. Because if we look back or we think back to the beginning of this podcast today, and we talk about the abortion issue, right, you have... Uh, the numbers of women that are registering, especially in states like Kansas and major, uh, Missouri, um, some of these anti-abortion states now, registering in droves that are going to vote. And if you look at the Republican position on this, and as it gets more and more extreme, it really, it's really not about the babies. I don't argue that I mean, I talked about this in the beginning of the podcast, obviously, when I talked about the theology of the whole matter, or perhaps the lack thereof. I don't argue that there are genuinely, genuinely Christians who believe that abortion is murder. Like, I, 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 like I actually believe that there are people who truly believe that. They're wrong. I disagree with them that, that you know, a six-week uh six weeks into a pregnancy that it's that 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 cluster of cells that's growing inside of a woman's body is a functioning person but i I do think there are people who believe that but the politicians that are advocating for that i am hard pressed to believe any of them any of them are really really could care less about beginning with Donald Trump, obviously, uh, the life of a child in or out of the womb, unless maybe it's somebody in their particular family or a white child who they happen to be 
associated with in some capacity. But otherwise, I, I don't realistically see that. It's simply about, it's simply another issue to bang a drum on so that they can get reelected and so they can maintain power, so they can sustain very, 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 very fragile egos, or they can maintain some sort of emotional stability when they function in a constant state of instability. So that's it. Thanks for joining me today, everybody. I'll be back next Tuesday. Love you guys. This podcast drops every Tuesday afternoon, sometime Eastern time. Thank you again.